Name brand music productions in this motherfucker. There you go. There you go. There you go. Huh. We all about to find a thing. All about them designer things. I don't need no money, I got mouthpiece, my nigga. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I'm Praises to the most high. God is good all the time. And all the time, God is good. Termite B-E-Z making it do what it do on a Tuesday in America's finest. Getting back at it after a weekend of sports. Want to talk about a few things today. Want to talk about the NFL, uh, free agency. Um, it actually officially starts tomorrow. And we also, of course, going to talk some NBA. So let's go ahead and get this thing cooking. Uh, first of all, um, shout outs is what we typically do at this time. And I really want to shout out this guy because he just died on Saturday. And that's marvelous Marvin Hagler. Mm-hmm. You know, for those of us who are old enough to remember him, <clears throat> he was just an incredible fighter. Um, his record, you know, a lot of times you say the record speaks for itself, but for him, I don't think the record tells the story. But that's, you know, that's something that's worthy of a segment of his own. But anyway, shout out to marvelous Marvin Hagler. I know his consciousness is aware of um, what we're doing here, so shout out to marvelous Marvin. Of course, um, condolences to his family. I know that's got to be, you know, a rough blow anytime you lose. Um, a major person in in your in your world that's that's devastating so shout out to them um <clears throat> i also want to shout out to of course drew Brees, um serious san diego connections got drafted by the chargers in 2001 second round pick as crazy as that sounds but that's part of the whole drew Brees story drew Brees was absolutely incredible one of the best to ever do it indeed um if you look at <laughs> If you look at his accomplishments, it literally takes up a whole page. Literally takes up a whole page. I'm going to run down a few of the things. Super Bowl champion in 2009. Super Bowl MVP. That was against Peyton Manning then, by the way. Walter Payton, NFL Man of the Year, which is huge. NFL Comeback Player of the Year, that was in 2004. First Team All-Pro 2006. Second Team four times. 13-time Pro Bowler. Seven times led the NFL in passing yards. Four-time NFL passing touchdowns leader. Two times NFL passing Raider leader. Six-time NFL completion percentage. This would take all day. Damn. You know, but this is this is crazy. This These are the NFL records he currently holds. Most career passing yards. Most career pass completions. Highest single season completion percentage, 74.4%. For the season? For the season. Oh, my God. Most consecutive games with a touchdown pass. Most pass completions in a season. Most 5,000-yard passing seasons. Highest completion percentage in a game, 96.7. Most touchdown passes in a game. He's tied. Fastest player to reach 50, 60, 70, and 80,000 career passing yards. 
Now that's that's a resume for your ass right there. Damn. Second round draft pick. I actually think in the same draft that LT was in. And and when you want you want to know what's crazy about that. A lot of times when you hear somebody's resume, the resume be better than the actual mm-hmm. player. Yep. As crazy as as unreal as that resume sounds, what was happening on the field was more unreal. Because he's the most accurate passer I've ever seen. I ain't never seen a, a quarterback that could thread the needle like Drew Brees. He gets the ball through windows that timing-wise, you'd be like, how did he know the player was going to cross right at that time so that the ball could get right through that little window through the other two defenders and and they showed on the replay, you'd be like, there's no way that pass should have been able to get there. Yeah, I mean, and he, he threw people open. He all had, the time. He anticipated passes all the time. In order to complete the passes he did, you got to anticipate. And, and and trust the guy that's going yeah. to get there. And it's just That's like, work. That's work. I commend Drew Brees for this reason, because most guys are elite athletes. Excuse me. And so they rely on their athleticism to get them by as they grow their skills over time. You know, Drew Brees is not the archetype quarterback that they look for. Mm -mm. They want somebody that's like 6'4 with a cannon arm that they can, so, so they can see over the line, that's smart, they can think on their feet, that's tough, and that's a leader. And Drew Brees is this like short guy. Not the strongest arm mm -mm. that you've ever seen. Nope. And you're like, that's why he was a second round pick. Because at that time, people were thinking, there's no way a guy that size is going to lead this group of men and get it done. And he proved that to be wrong once he linked up with Sean Payton. And so that opened up the door for the Russell Wilsons and the Kyler Murrays and the Baker Mayfields and you know, those guys to be able to come in and have an opportunity. Exactly. And um, it's paid off for a lot of organizations because those are some of the best, you know, guys out there. Well, you name, you know, the best quarterbacks in the game. You know, some of the best quarterbacks in the game. And that's the thing I was going to say. His influence transcends his own accomplishments. His accomplishments created opportunities for other guys. You know, and it just goes to show, you know, there are things beyond, you know, measurables. Mm -hmm. You know, he didn't have the he didn't have the measurables, but it's always the intangibles that make the difference. Whether a guy has measurables or not, if he doesn't have the intangibles, it's not going to happen. Yeah. Drew Brees had all the intangibles. You know, he's a perfect example of you know, hard work mm -hmm. and perserverance. Absolutely. Over overcoming adversity. Yeah. And in numerous forms, trades, injuries. Mm -hmm. You know, he's come back from a lot. And he's shown t inner toughness and inner strength that you wouldn't even see looking at him from the outside. No, he just know? looks like a regular guy. He's shown so much. You know, it's like you can't do anything but respect Drew Brees. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and that's why he has the respect that he has in the game because people understand how difficult it is to do it. And then to do it under the circumstances in which he had to perform, it's just mind-blowing. Going into that whole San Diego situation post-Katrina, um, the fact that this is the thing that I had kind of forgotten about. Yeah. 
What did I say? San Diego. Oh, New Orleans. <laughs> Going from San, San Diego, Diego to, to the New, New Orleans. Orleans. Well, and how we ended up in New Orleans is because Nick Saban passed on. Mm-hmm. When that little brief time he yeah. was at Miami. Miami. Nick Which Saban's was the best thing ever, ever happened, happened to, to him. him. Absolutely. He was going into a situation that on paper did not look good. You know, because the Saints are on the verge of getting sold, moved out of the city. And um, he came in and basically saved that team. You know, and, and he's meant so much to, to New Orleans because, you know, I lived there. I was there the year they won the Super Bowls. The year I moved there is the year they, they won the Super Bowls. So I have a connection. Definitely. I, um, I always kind of liked Saints from a distance. But being in New Orleans and seeing how that city loves that loves that team and how much that team means is unbelievable. You know what I'm finna say? What? If I'm New Orleans, do go get Deshaun Watson. Oh yeah, you talked about that. Go get him. Yep. Ain't nothing I would love to see more than for Deshaun Watson to go to the Saints and be in uh the same division as um Tom Brady and them. Well, Russell put it on his short list. Russell Wilson would work too. That would really work too. Because you're getting, you know, Drew Brees, but who can run? Well, we're gonna see some we're gonna see some things happen here in the next few weeks, I'm sure, because free agency officially begins tomorrow in the NFL. And and speaking of free agency, the um, and that's no disrespect to uh, Jameis Winston, by the way. No, no, but that's he ain't, no disrespect. But he if ain't I, Russell but Wilson. I'm, but, but Jameis, I'm a, I'm gonna let you know this. I tell you this to your face. If I'm if I bring you in the office, I'm be like, look, if we can get Deshaun Watson or Russell Wilson, we're gonna try to. You still gonna be the backup? Yeah. And Taysom Hill's still gonna do what he does. Yeah. So you know, you need weapons. You need as many weapons as you can get, and you need. As many insurance policies as you, you can get. You need a solid backup. And he's yeah. a, he is a solid backup. Absolutely. And but, he should start for a, a whole bunch of teams. But, but but not in front of them guys we just no, named. Heck no. Heck no. Nobody's starting in front of them. Nobody. 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 <laughs> no, nobody's starting in front of Russ. And nobody's starting in front of Deshaun Watson. Including Tom Brady. I'm, I said it. I'm not starting... I'm not starting nobody in front of Okay, Deshaun. what about what about AA Ryan? No. I'm not starting him in front of Deshaun Watson. Okay. You well, yeah. Some people would argue that, but AA Ryan. Except maybe Tom Brady. It's it's hard to put anybody in front of Tom Brady because he's just the best. You know, not and it's not just because he keep winning. It's how he does it. That makes him the best to me. Absolutely. You know, he take stuff that everybody else has thrown away, you know, and make something out of it. And take, do more with less. You know, he never has like the elite guys, no. really. He had Randy Moss for one season. You know, he just, he, he gets guys out there and he goes, look, we're going to work hard. We're going to have team chemistry. We're going to do it by committee. Mm-hmm. And we're going to stick to the game plan and be consistent and just outwork everybody else and catch these people at the finish line. Like, yeah, they might have more talent. They might have a little bit more momentum and blah, blah, blah. But we're going to catch these guys at the finish line. That's always Tom Brady's mentality. And he's a great leader. 
You know what I'm saying? Absolutely, like, because he has the work ethic, so he's setting that example. Yes, and and he delivers though. And and, he, and, and, and the competitiveness and his team his, team first approach his always desire to go out and compete at a high level. Mm -hmm. You can't question no. that. No. Ultimate you, competitor. You can't question that. So it's hard to put somebody in front of him. That's true. Because nobody has done it better and more consistent for longer. Yeah. So no, he is the goat when it, it comes to it, that. He the goat when yeah. it comes to that. So it's it, I can't. It, it's almost disrespectful to be like, oh, I put I'm, somebody, I'm gonna put in, somebody front in front of him just because of his body of work. Yeah. Now you could say at this point in his career, absolutely. Maybe I would prefer the young guy that's killing. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Yes. Or the guy who's still at in his prime at uh, the tail end like of his Russ. prime, like Russ. Mm -hmm. Right. And and it, it'd be tough to argue that, but it's hard to bet against Brady. And it's hard to ever say that somebody should be in front of him based on what he's done and is doing and most likely will continue to do. But, man, New Orleans, go get Deshaun. Go get him. Just don't give up Kamara or Thomas to get him. No, that's not going to happen. But, um, but going, go get him. Going back to the whole um, free agency thing, New England is just, they just going all out in free agency they they spent they, they they signed two of the best tight ends on the free agent market hunter henry they just signed 37 and a half million for three years only reason that they did that is because bill listens to our show and he <laughs> and he heard us say that he don't pay no damn body so ain't no free agents oh, coming yeah, that, there. i'm sure that was he it. said oh i'm gonna make a liar out of them so he picked up john U. smith four years 50 million dollars <laughs> Nelson Aguilar, two years, twenty-six million. He got paid after, after not getting paid last year. Got a million-dollar, one-year, million-dollar contract for the Raiders. Parlayed that into twenty-six. Congratulations, Nelson Aguilar. Congratulations to both of y'all. Kendrick Bourne, they got from the 49ers, giving him a bunch of uh, what they, was it? Three let, years. They 20, let Bourne go. Twenty-two mil. Ooh, I would have paid him. Twenty-two mil. Matthew Judon, four-year, fifty-six million-dollar contract. 32 million guaranteed. By the way, John U. Smith, 31 million guaranteed on his four year contract. How the hell does San Francisco let Bourne go? I can't get past that. You know, and they don't have no weapons. I can't get past that. They don't have any weapons. You know, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. I thought that was a no brainer for them. That was the, that's the tip of the iceberg for, for the, uh, for the Patriots. They have went out and, and did everything they needed to do. They got safeties. They got defensive linemen. They they have basically they re-signed um, Cam, one year fourteen million dollar contract because they gotta have somebody. Well, actually, and they and they also actually, recognize they need to put weapons around he's him. He's only too. guaranteed five point six. He can't get to fourteen unless they make the playoffs. Okay, yeah, they could. I could see him doing it because they've basically upgraded all their weak spots. Every single one of them. He has an incentive-based contract. Which makes sense at this stage of the game, especially considering the way he performed last year. He didn't have nothing, Dad. No, he didn't. He didn't have any weapons. We're going to see this year. He got some pieces now, so we'll see. And then, of course, the Texans have gone out and made a whole lot of moves. What did they get on the O-line? What did they get to protect Cam? That's all I want to know. Well, they picked up defensive linemen. Uh, let me see. I think they did pick up... Uh, and, no, they got because he's always backs. he's always running for his life. They got defensive backs and and de defensive linemen. So we'll see what they do on the offensive line. 
They've made some moves on the offensive line, but I don't have any of those moves in front of me. All I got is um, uh, the, the defensive linemen and, and the defensive backs. They got uh, a safety and a corner. If, if Cam gets some protection, they're going to be dangerous. Because if you give him time to throw the ball, he's dangerous. But he's out there running for his life. Well, you could argue they need running backs, too. He can run the ball, though. That's what I'm saying. Like, if he got good protection and you got to worry about him running and throwing, mm-hmm. he's going to be looking just like he was this MVP season. Uh, that's a stretch, but we'll see. And Houston Texans have made a huge, a whole bunch of moves. Cam's the type of guy he just needs to write. He just needs you to believe in him, and put the right pieces around him that benefit his talent, which shows you that you believe in him because you're going to build a team around him and his abilities. Because I believe that I heard um, um, Georgetown's um, coach say this: when you have a superior, when you have a special talent, you have to make adjustments to what you do to accommodate their talent. He, so, said, he said that about Allen Iverson. Mm-hmm. And that's true. You know, so when you get somebody who comes in who's an exceptional talent, you have to be willing to make adjustments, like Baltimore has done with Lamar Jackson. You know, so if, if the Patriots are willing to do that for Cam Newton, he will reward them. But if they're if, if they're sitting on the fence and like not really believing in them and not wanting to go all in on that, they're not going to have success with him. Okay, let me ask you this question because this is something I thought about. I was curious to know what you would think. Do you think any of this has anything to do with the level of success that Tom Brady has had in Tampa Bay? Yes, yes. The fact that they didn't make the playoffs and he won the Super Bowl that pissed Belichick off. And if you think that it didn't then what you're seeing right now should be evident enough. Because he's doing stuff he ain't never did ever. No, they never have. Because this is this is they're doing what most teams do and and and, and don't have any success is they try to win the off season. Yes, yes, yes. yes. They try to win the off season. They make all these acquisitions, you know, and it looks great on paper and then the season happens and it, it falls flat. Patriots have never done that. They've always been extremely conservative and frugal when it came to free agency. Mm -hmm. Extremely. They usually took other people's reclamation projects. But the thing that allowed them to do that was Tom Brady. Mm -hmm. He's gone now. Mm -hmm. That that era is over. And the thing was, was Bill Belichick going to be able to adapt and move on and move forward? Or was he going to hold on to that same mentality and not be successful going forward? Well, this is an admission of the greatness of Brady. Yes. This is an admission because, like, okay, we could do that when we had time. Mm-hmm. You know, he could take goulash and make it gourmet. Mm-hmm. But without him, we ain't got no chef in the kitchen. Mm-mm. We ain't got nobody taking scraps and creating five-course meals. Mm-mm. You know, so that that ain't happening no more. But anyway, we talked about that enough. Um, let's talk about the NBA. Um, I want you wanted to talk about the top four teams in each conference, and I got it in front of me. I don't, you can pull it up on your end, but I got it in front of me because I knew I wouldn't be able to see what you got mm-hmm. in the Eastern Conference. And there's 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 two stories going on at the top of each of these conferences. 
at the top of the Eastern Conference right now, in my eyes, the best basketball right now is being played in the East. Yes, it is. It's being played in the East. Which is strange to say. It is strange because it hasn't been that way for quite a long time. Yeah. And it's just been basically. It ain't been that way since the 90s. Yeah, it's been that way for a long time. The last 15 years, the West has been pretty much dominant. Well, who was the last Eastern but Conference team? But in the 80s team? and the 90s, the East was more dominant. Who was the last Eastern Conference team to win the championship? Cleveland. Damn. Damn. Okay. Yeah, that's a little bit. That's a little bit of time. And they're the that? only one. What was that, three years ago? Oh, it was four years four ago. Four years ago? Yeah, it was four years ago. But anyway, um, so right now, 76ers and the Nets are essentially tied. And then you got the Bucks and the Heat. Top four teams. Now, all four of those teams have won at least four games in a row. Let me just set this up as a contrast. In the West, you got the Jazz, the Suns, the Lakers, and the Clippers. Yeah. Only one of those teams has won more than one game in a row. Which would be Phoenix, right? Would be the Lakers. Oh, really? Oh, Phoenix hasn't won more than one in a row recently? No. Jazz are coming off a loss. Phoenix just won last night. Lakers won two in a row. And the Clippers just won last night. Yeah, but before that two in a row, the Lakers had dropped three or four or two. The Lakers, the Lakers in the last ten games have only won four. See, that's what I'm saying. Same thing with the Clippers. Listen, let, let me finish it. The Jazz only won five. The only team at the top, of course, is the Suns. They've won eight out of their last ten. Now, in the last ten in the East, guess what the records are? All of them are nine and one, and the 76ers are eight and two. Wow. Now, even wow. if you weren't paying attention to that. Wow. To, if you were just going by what you've been seeing on the court. That's revealing. Yeah. Absolutely. That's revealing. That's major. That's cleavage for your ass right there. <laughs> that's major. That's, that's, that's see-through dress. <laughs> that's pretty revealing. That's, that's it don't showing, get too much more revealing than that. That's telling the whole story right there. And listen to this. The Hawks, who are eighth, have won seven out of the last ten and five in a row. I told you. Ain't there. lost since they got Nate McMillan what as did coach. I, what did I say? What did I say? Haven't lost a game. The first game I seen them with, with Nate, what did I say was going to yeah. happen going forward? Yeah, you said they're going to be a lot better. I said, Dad, this ain't even the same team no more. The, the body language was different. Everything. I was like, the defensive schemes were different. The intensity, the looking ready to play every night. One thing about Nate McMillan is, I don't care what's going on. His team is going to be ready to play every night. You can't say that about every coach. No. Tom Thibodeau's another coach. Mm -hmm. He has his team ready to play, like mentally ready to play every night. The coach that's the worst at that is Luke Walton. I would agree. I would agree. And that's not hating on Luke Walton. It's just facts. Yeah. It, How many times do you watch Sacramento and say to yourself, and what's crazy about it is they get off to early leads sometimes. Always. So it's deceiving. Yeah. Right? Because they come out with energy, but their mentality don't be, they don't be locked in mentally. Yeah, it's a lack of focus. Lack of focus. And that's yeah. what I mean about like not having your guys ready. You really got to have them focused and be thinking about the game the right way mentally, approaching things correctly. Let, let, let me speak on lack of focus because I really think that's what's happening with the Jazz for whatever reason. They seem unfocused. 
And these last in this last stretch on the road, they just looked bad. Okay, I think what you're seeing from them is I'm glad you mentioned that. Cause I think what you're seeing from them is a real life example of how difficult it is to sustain that level of focus. Okay. Throughout the season. Uh-huh. I think that they had it for a you know, like forty. They had games, laser focus, yeah. and then they just kind of got like fatigued. Well, they they haven't played think, forty games yet, but go and ahead. And I think part of that is like the fact that they had a shorter break. Like they didn't get a full All Star break that they normally get. Okay. So you know, you're coming off a. And they had two guys in the All Star game. Exactly, and you coming off. Oh the, nope, three. They had three. So they didn't ever really get no break. Mm-hmm. So I kind of was a little bit nervous about that, to be honest, about the guys who, like, had multiple players in the All-Star game, weren't really going to get a break, shorter All-Star break, you know, condensed season. I'm like, no, they needed a longer break because they're playing more games in less time, and it's, and it's, and it's more taxing on the body, plus travel. So I was like, no, the NBA schedule-wise needs to do better next year in, in accommodating – the, the rigorous schedule. You know what I'm saying? So they need to do like a longer break. They need to figure out a way to give those guys a longer all-star break because I'm nervous that some players might start getting injured too. Well, we've got a condensed season, you know, in a situation with a bunch of other challenges that we've talked about ad nauseum, so we won't go into it again today. The players look tired though. Even, even on the teams that are playing well, the players look tired already. Well, it's mental fatigue too. I think there's a great deal of mental fatigue just because of the circumstances we're in. And we talked about this a number of times, and I keep saying it's a battle of attrition. It's going to be the teams that are the strongest, who can stay the strongest mentally, you know, and just weather this and weather this storm because it's difficult. I think that, you know, um, and some teams have, have commented on it, the fact that they're now allowed to have some fans in attendance has really helped the energy level mm-hmm. for them. So I think, you know, that, that'll that help balance it out a little. But this whole season is going to be a struggle. Okay, there's a couple of players in the NBA up for grabs here, like the LaMarcus Aldridge's, the P.J. Tucker's, the Andre Drummond's, you know, players who are knowingly awaiting trades, mm-hmm. who could possibly help some contenders. Mm-hmm. Okay, let's start with LaMarcus Aldridge. Where do you think the best landing place for him would be? Well, you, you spoke on it. You said it needs to be a team that doesn't play with a lot of pace because he's not that kind of player. Um but obviously it's going to have to be a team that's in contention too. So that means the Jazz is a great landing spot for him. I agree. Um even the Lakers would be a good landing spot for him. I agree. Uh those two teams in particular, even the Clippers. I agree. So the Clippers, the Lakers, the Jazz in the West and in the East, I say the 76ers, he could fit with the 76ers. The Bucks are the team I think really needs him the most. They play. They try to play with pace, but really, what they do is they shoot a bunch of threes. They try to get early offense, which I guess you could consider that pace. But I think the team that needs him the most is the Bucks. I disagree. Okay. I think the team that needs him the most is Boston. Okay. I think about their half court sets. They like to run a lot of pick and roll and whatnot with Kimba. If you, you, you put him out there with Kimba and Brown and Tatum, I think he would fit in really, really nicely with the way that they run their offense. They got great defensive wings, so that helps him on the in the defensive scheme. 
Yeah, the thing about L.A., though. He just has to be a help defender. He's not a great on-ball defender. No, he never has been. But the thing about L.A., I think that makes him not necessarily the greatest fit with um, Boston is that he tends to be a black hole. Once the ball goes into him, it never comes back out again. He's not He's not Al Horford. That's true. He's not Al Horford. And I think they need more of an Al Horford in Boston than they, than they need a LaMarcus Aldridge. Watch, how many times do you watch the Boston game mm-hmm. and you say to yourself, they need somebody that they can just give the ball to that can get them a bucket right here? Besides um, JB and, and um, JT? Especially like when those got like especially like when they go to the bench and it's just Jalen out there. Ooh we with the second bad. unit. It's now imagine bad. if you had Lamarcus Aldridge on that second. That would change unit everything. That would change everything. Somebody who can get them a basket. You know, and especially in a half court. It set. would help those scoring slumps that they have and where you're asking Jalen Brown to do so much. Exactly. So he doesn't really get that break and he's giving you so much energy on the defensive end, you gotta find some relief for him. Yeah, exactly. I agree with that a thousand percent. So I, I could see him helping Boston in that regard. LA's the type of guy, like I said, um, who still got some productivity left in him. He's a guy who can still score in the half court, um, get you some rebounds here and there. Not much of a defender. Okay, so what about um, PJ? I like PJ a lot. Oh, PJ, PJ Tucker. Tucker. Yeah. Uh, I Where does he I, fit? I like the Lakers or the Clippers for him. I think he fits the identity of both of those teams. But honestly, I think the best fit for him would be Miami. I would like to see him go to Miami. I agree. I think Miami, even though Brooklyn is one of the teams that I think is in speculation for him, I don't think they need him. He he fits the culture of Miami better and their style of play. So I feel like he could contribute better to their one of their small ball units that they like to run and, and help give them a, a, a better defensive presence. They need a, a three another 3 and D guy who can still play it as a veteran. So he would take up help. that Jay Crowder spot. Yeah, you know, put somebody, you know, have another guy out there that you can put out there with Iggy that knows how to play. That's a three and a D and three guy that spread the floor. I, I like him in Miami. I think he just really fits and I think he helped fortify them defensively and give them some offense as well. So the other part of that, that question is this. Do you think that Miami is legitimate four seed? Yeah, I do. Now you changed your mind. I do. But I still think that, you know. Some you know some teams are letting them off the hook, and that they're not as they're not quite as good as their late record lately has shown, in my opinion. Yeah, because they've won nine of the last. 10. I kind of think they're more like a five, to be honest. But four or five is like you know, well, six one half dozen another. Miami is a, a statistical anomaly because they're a minus one in the point differential, but yet they won nine out of the last ten games. Well, you know, I. I, I just think that a lot of their games are close. You know, they're a more defensive-minded team, so they're not thinking that they got to score a billion points. They can win games scoring 95. They're one of those type of teams. You know what I mean? Well, so, they're only averaging 106 points. And that's plenty for them to win games. You know, if they can score 108 points, they're going to beat you. There are only two teams in the NBA that are scoring less than them. Name them. Repeat the question. Okay. There are only two teams in the NBA that are scoring fewer points a game than Miami. Who are they? Orlando. Yep. And who's the other one? Let's see, who else really struggles to score? 
Um, it's in the Eastern Conference. Detroit, maybe? It's not Detroit. But they're, they're close. They're close. Who else doesn't score a lot of points? Um, Think of a bad team in the East. Cleveland? There you go. You got it. Cleveland. I've seen Cleveland put up big numbers, though, but they're just inconsistent. Very inconsistent. Very inconsistent. But I've seen them score like 145 points, though, in the game this season. They are minus 8.4 in point differential. The worst in the NBA. Wow. I could see that, though. But they've had, like, no continuity. Yeah, worst they got, in the NBA. They got different lineups all the time, injuries. It's like you don't know who's going to play. And then they've just set Andre Drummond for more than a month. Their best player. Yeah. So that's kind of distorted. That's a team that's got decent potential. They got some good young pieces. They do. They got some good. I, speaking of good young pieces, and we won't belabor this segment too much longer. Tell me what you think of OKC. I don't know what to think when I watch OKC. Okay, I'll give you an example of what I'm talking about. Saturday's game. Which they didn't have nobody but Shea and a bunch of guys that you don't even know. Who'd they play on Saturday? Let me give it back. It was the Spurs. Oh, yeah. Well, the the Spurs were in the, a transitional state at that time, too, because they had just sat down LaMarcus. And they were, you know, basically figuring out how they were going to play. You know, moving on from him being like a huge focal point in the offense, no. and they haven't had DeRozan. Actually, that was Sunday. They had lost to the Knicks, but Sunday it was the Sunday when they they played the Spurs. Yeah, no, I'm talking about Sunday. Talking oh, okay. about on Sunday. Yeah, because the Spurs played Detroit last. No, week. you know who it was? It was the Grizzlies. The Thunder beat the Grizzlies with, with Shea and a bunch of guys. Let me give you the starting lineup. Starting lineup. <laughs> <laughs> the starting lineup for them on Sunday was um, Justin Jackson, mm-hmm. who I've been saying should play more, Pokashevsky, Moses Brown, Ty Jerome, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. And they scored 128 points. It's a bunch of G Leaguers. Yeah, Darius Miller. Who I forgot was even in the league played twenty minutes. I thought he was overseas. Yeah, played twenty minutes. Kenrich Williams with that eighty shag that he's wearing. That nigga's wearing that eighty shag. Oh my god. Anyway, that that has nothing to do with nothing. But every time I see him, I was like, "Is that nigga lost? Did he just beam in from the eighties?" <laughs> He gotta be the only nigga in America wearing a shag. Look like, uh, look like, uh, look like New Jack City like or something. Samuel Jackson in Pulp Fiction. Oh my God! Anyway, uh, nothing to do with basketball. I apologize, but these guys you don't even know. No, those are just a bunch of G League. But I told you, I told you. What did I say? I said, if, I said the Clippers gonna forever regret getting rid of Shea. I said, they I, had Shea. Oh I, my I, God! I said I don't give a damn who it is. I ain't giving up Shea Gilgis Alexander. That was not. I was the like, move. y'all can keep Paul George if y'all need him. That That's was, what I would have told him. That was not the move. Because I mean, you keep him, you there basically was, got Paul George. Shit. He can defend. He can score. He can do all the same stuff. Yeah, but he was young. I and don't that was give the a thing. damn. That's another. That's all the more reason to keep him. 
That was the Keep thing. Keep the younger guy. To your credit, to your credit, you said that from the start. I said, ain't no way in hell. I said, that would have been no deal. How they closed the box on the show? No deal. You can take Sealy, but you flat can't have Ned. <laughs> <laughs> you just ain't never going to get it no way, no how. Exactly. That's how I would have been with Shay. <laughs> They'd have been like, because that's how the Lakers were with Kobe. Yeah. They had other guys that were like already more established, balling, arguably better at the time. Yeah. Jerry West said, I don't give a damn. This guy is going to be the guy. Funk what y'all talking about. Yep. That's how I felt about Shay. I'd have been like, no, nah, this dude is the truth. Keep him. Guys who are 6'6", six, 6'7", six, six, long, athletic like that, smart. Smart being they, the key They thing. just don't come along like that. Smart being the key. Those guys are hard to grab. It's like you, you keep what's in higher demand and in shorter supply. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. You, I'd been like, look, Kawhi, look. We want you bad, but not bad enough to give up Shay. No, you flat can't have that. You Nettie. flat can't have it. Okay. Either. Not now, either, not never. Either we'll bring in somebody else and you bring your ass over here to the Clippers, or are we just going to have to go somewhere else, another direction. Come on. I'd be like, I'd be like, now, Kawhi, this guy ain't even your, your second choice. This was your third guy on your pecking order. You want us to give away, mortgage our future for the third guy on your list? Well, as it stands right now, we got a little bit more than than we got nine days. We got nine days until the the trade deadline in the NBA. Well, all I know is the Clippers better get them a point guard. I don't know. Bring in somebody. We got nine days. Who knows how to run the offense and defend? So we'll we'll definitely revisit this. A lot of these questions we're asking will be answered. Where these guys are going to land. We didn't talk about Andre Drummond at all, but and we're not going to. We'll talk. We'll say that for later. But you, you know, want to know why I watch the Clippers play, even though they've been horribly inconsistent and hard to watch. And hard to watch. Go ahead. Because I know that this is going to be Lou Williams' last season. I think he's going to retire. I don't think he's going to play another season after this season. I don't think so either. And it and it breaks my heart because he's one of my favorite players. He's never been appreciated anywhere he went. They still can't figure out that he's their closer. We've seen multiple coaching staffs. Nobody can figure out that he's the best closer they got. How many game winners the man got to hit before you be like, yeah, he's our closer? Yeah, and he's, he's the type of guy. Some, I mean, being a closer is a specific skill set, but more importantly, it's a mentality. Yes. It is a mentality. There are guys who just have that mentality. Um, you know, and see, he was Dame in, is like the ultimate closer yes. right now. Oh, he's 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 the man. Dame is a closer. Uh, Kyrie is a closer. Um, name me some other closers besides Lou. Who else is a closer in the NBA? And that'll be what we end in the show on. Kawhi is definitely a closer. You think JT is a closer? I think he's going to be. Okay. I think he's going. To, I don't know if Jason Tatum for those don't who don't if, know who we're talking. I don't about. know if he's there yet. He got the. He's mentality on his way. He has the mentality. He wants to be, but I, but right now it's kind of more of a wannabe. You know me. who's a low key closer? I think Kemba's a closer. Kemba is a closer, but you know, on a losing team, this guy is a closer. The numbers support it. Zach Levine. Yes, Zach's a closer, but he makes poor decisions at the end of games too. 
But Zach he's Levine still is gotta, a closer. He still got to work that out. Zach Levine is a closer. You know, you got to make the right play. It's not always about just trying to take the last shot. Is Cat a closer? Mm, I don't. I don't feel like I've seen a, him have enough opportunities to to be able to say. Okay, what about James a closer? LeBron? No, James Harden. Oof. Jury's still out on that. I don't think so. I think he's a closer. Jury's still out on that. I don't think so. I think he's a closer. Cause I ain't. I I just don't ever really remember seeing him take over the end of a game like that. Okay. What about even though his team is raggedy? What about De'Aaron? Is he a closer? Yes, I think he is. And this guy is a closer in 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 in, in progress. I've seen Lamelo. I've seen De'Aaron Fox close the game with dunks. Is Lamelo gonna be a closer? Yes. Anthony Edwards? Yes. Okay. There because, you go. Because they got supreme confidence. Yeah. See, what you're doing is you're picking players that you think have the mentality yep. of a closer. Exactly. It's like, yeah, these guys are all, they all got it. They all got it. Jalen Brown got it. Absolutely. You know, some guys, you can see it. They want oh, the ball. Oh, shoot. We leaving My, a, uh, Bradley Bill, closer. We leave, we leaving a major closer out. And people would call us on it. Jimmy, Jimmy Butler. KD is clearly a closer. Yeah. Jimmy Butler. Okay. Is a closer. Oh, Jimmy's the ultimate. One of Luca the, one is of the a closer. Ultimate. Luca's a closer. Did you see Porzingis shooting from the damn logo? Did you see that? He pulled up from the logo. He can. Wet. He I can. said, oh my God. I said, if Porzingis is 7'4 pulling from the logo, y'all in trouble. It's, it's, y'all in trouble. He's pulling from Steph Land? Yeah. From Dame Land? Yep. And wet too? And oh we got and we got two other guys I got to ask you about. One of which I know, but I was curious to hear what you say. I'm not gonna Devin put, Booker. I'm not gonna put Luca in there because as a defender, all you have to do is force him to the right side of the floor. He can't close. Okay, Devin Booker. Nobody ever does, but Devin Booker. That's just stupid defense on their part. But yeah, um, CP3 is a closer for sure. But the answer to Devin Booker. You're thinking too long. I, That's I, enough. I haven't seen them get enough opportunities. Because, like, when you ask me, I'll be thinking, have I seen them close? You know what I mean? Like, have I seen them? But I think he has the mentality. Definitely. I think he has the mentality. Definitely. But I think Donovan Mitchell has that mentality. But I don't think he has the but skill. But doesn't always. But he know, definitely. Jamal Murray, is he a closer? No, not in my opinion. He ain't, he ain't aggressive enough. Not in my opinion. Not consistently aggressive. Okay, we, we've done enough. Um, thanks so much for letting us share this space as I always say uh, it was definitely a pleasure we had a, a lot to talk about in a little bit of time which is always good we got another opportunity to do this again on Saturday B I enjoyed it we talked about some stuff we were excited to talk about so thanks for sharing the space with me we gonna miss Buddy Love maybe we'll see him again on Saturday yeah hopefully we can get Jay up in here or yeah, after, you know, now they, we can sign these uh, NFL free agency contracts starting tomorrow. Oh, shout out to um, birthdays. Jediah's birthday is tomorrow, so shout out to him. Yeah. And man. also, Tori, uh, sorry, happy belated birthday to Tori. Yep, happy belated. She's 23. That's crazy. And Jediah is, is going to be five. Yeah, that's even crazier. <laughs> anyway, thanks so much, everybody. Peace and love. Peace and love. Sugar Free, signing out. 
I'll show you how to ball out. Hit the game like a nuclear fallout. If you win the dissing, I'm the one you should call out. I'm on a mission, player. I never sold out. I took the other route. I went against the grain. Me and my nigga, man, we the ones to follow. We some girls, niggas. We going full throttle. Got a fifth in Hennessy and I'ma drink the whole bottle. Pocket full of money, player, feeling like I won the lotto. Got a bad bitch, call her America's top model. Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man. The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man. Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I told you, nigga. You know my persona. I'm a soldier, nigga. Deputy for designer. Yelling, ain't no peace till the niggas get it peace. While I flip my middle finger to your honor. Smoking on the finest marijuana I can find. Up on the money gang, we throwing up dollar signs. We on the grind like each and every day, seven days a week. 24, 7, 365. The last time I checked. It was all about the money, power, and respect I'm certified solid, better check my rep You couldn't see through me if you was looking at my silhouette Blood in my eye like the great George Jackson We bout to take it, we ain't asking to say the least I put that on my brother's dead and deceased I'll be a rider till I rest in peace Talk shit, swallow spit for a living, man The swing man, I can get it to the pivot, man Knee deep in the struggle, player, I'm with it, man I do whatever it takes to get it, man. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes. I do whatever it takes to get it, man.